Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome everybody on site. Welcome everybody online. I'm Jacob Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. I'm excited you guys are here. How are we feeling? Are we feeling good today? Good. We're, we're still, are we still riding off that Guardian's win last night? We're still riding off of that win? I'm telling you. Okay, last night, you guys got to pray for me to like keep my energy up today because this is, this is what that last night looked like for me. Uh, we finished the service here. Uh, after service was over, me and Jessica, we didn't have the kids, so we went to go get dinner. And then we went from dinner to go see Halloween Ends. We went and saw at, at Tinseltown Sermon Prep, right, because we're in our horror movie series. We went to go see Halloween Ends, and I, you guys won't believe it, I was able to avoid spoilers for the Guardians game. I don't know how, by the grace of God, by his mercy, I was able to avoid spoilers and so whenever we got home, we, we saw the 10 o'clock showing. So it was pretty late. We got home, it was about 12.50. And I'm like, I can't believe I avoided spoilers. There's no way I'm gonna avoid them into tomorrow. I've gotta watch this game now. And so I, I started watching the Guardians game at about 12.50 at night. I probably got to sleep maybe three, something like that, that I had to get up at six. So I'm, I'm running on coffee right now. I'm like five coffees deep. So you guys can pray for me. And if I'm shaking, don't worry, it's just the caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> you know that feel right? <laughs> but hey, we, we do. We need, to, we need to be sending some more positive vibes up 77 North today as the Indians get ready, or the Guardians get ready to hopefully, hopefully close out the Yankees. So we need to send, light all your votive candles for later today and pray for the Guardians. Uh, well, hey, we are in our series. We're in the third week of this already, which is crazy to think that we're three weeks in. But we're in the third week of our series, How to Always Survive a Horror Movie. Um, what we're doing, if you're new with us, or this kind of sounds familiar or unfamiliar, we've done this series the last two years, and this is our final year doing it. And what we're basically looking at is um, we're using horror movies as a vehicle to look at biblical truth. Because funnily enough, you may not think so, but there is a lot of truth in horror movies. A lot of cliches that seem kind of silly, seem kind of dumb. But then you start realizing, oh, wow, I actually see that same thing play out in my life in different ways. And so what we're looking at is how we can survive horror movie moments in our own life. When life throws us a curveball and we find ourselves staring down a bad diagnosis, when we find ourselves uh, dealing with a negative mindset that we've had for years, when we are feeling uh, or we're facing a bad situation at work. How can we make it out of those? How can we survive the horror movie moments in our life? And where we've been so far, I'll just catch up real quick. Uh, week one of this series, we looked at the cliche of where, you know, in horror movies, the, the, the good guy will knock down the villain. You think the bad guy is dead, the killer's dead, and then they turn their back on him, right? Like, oh, they, they must be dead now. Like, so let me just go ahead and get back to my normal life. And you're like, don't turn your back on the killer. Like, don't lose sight of them because you know they're not dead. They're gonna come back and they're gonna get you. And that's exactly what happens. And it's exactly what happens in our life too. Whenever we don't pay attention to our weaknesses, to our struggle areas, to our sins, when we start to lose sight of these things, when we think, oh no, that's who I used to be. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about hanging out with this group anymore. I don't have to worry about visiting those websites anymore. I'm good. I've got this under control. It's in those moments when we take our eye off the killer that we are susceptible. So we have got to keep our eyes on our weaknesses. We've got to humbly submit them to God and ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that he would help us to overcome them, 
right? So that's what we looked at week one. Week two, uh, last week, we talked about the cliche in horror movies where uh, a killer is attacking someone in their house, and rather than them running out the front door, where do they go? Up the stairs. Like, you have a perfectly good functioning front door, Use it. Like, get out of the house. What are you doing running upstairs? You're sealing your fate. You may want, you may wish to live, but the direction you're going is not going to take you to what you want. And the same thing is true in our lives, right? So often we have a future, we have an end goal in mind where we want to be respected, we want to be loved, we want the people who know us best to respect us the most. The people who know us best to love us the most and say, man, they're a great person. Man, their marriage is fantastic. Man, the way that they serve God and love their kids and love their spouse, that's all great. That's where we want to end up, but so often we're running up the stairs. We want to make it out of our movie alive, but we're going in directions that are not going to take us that way. And so last week we learned this idea that our ways, the ways we are walking, trump our wishes every single time. Every single time. And so we've got to start making sure that our direction, the way that we are going, is the direction we want to actually end up at, right? Where, where our eventual destination is one that we're happy with. It's one that God has approved and God has ordained for our life. So that's where we've been so far. Now today, what I want us to do, we're going to start off uh, with two pieces of scripture that we're going to be looking at today, one from the book of Matthew, one from the book of Psalms. Uh, before we really hop into the topic for today, I just want to read these scriptures and we'll just kind of like slowly reveal what we're going to be focusing on today. So this is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This is Jesus during his Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he's actually getting ready to share uh, with his disciples how they are supposed to pray. Jesus says this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And we're gonna skip ahead to verse 31. Jesus concludes by saying, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Is there any more relatable verse of scripture than that one? Today has enough trouble of its own. And now I want us to skip back to Psalm chapter 118 and listen to these three verses that King David writes. He says this, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, as we read those two pieces of scripture, you might be going, okay, well, where's this going? I don't totally see how those scriptures connect. I'm not seeing the unifying theme yet. So let me give you the the title for today. If you're a note taker, the sermon note taker, our title for today is Stop the Recording. Stop the Recording. You still might be confused. Like, yeah, that didn't help. I'm still wondering where, where exactly we're going with this. So let me tell you what our horror movie cliche is today, and this kind of will help tie it all together. So uh, in horror movies, there's a particular horror movie that came out uh, in the late 90s, 1999, called The Blair Witch Project. I'm sure no one in here has ever seen or even heard of such a terrible movie. You're, you're so unaware of it, right? Well, this little guy, whenever he was about 12 or 13, watched it. It was like one of my first scary movies that like I snuck and I was able to watch without my parents knowing they would have been horrified, but I got, I got to see it. And let me tell you, it, 
it tripped me out. It was a creepy, creepy movie, and it actually still holds up pretty well to this day, the way the movie was shot. You know how there's some movies that they like, even though it goes farther and farther in time, they're still good, like Jaws, um, Jurassic Park, the original one, like the, it's, it just still holds up. Like they're still really rewatchable even now. And that's how the Blair Witch Project is. Like the way that it's shot, it still holds up. It's on a lot of critics, uh, top like 10, top five horror movies of all time. And in fact, that movie was so groundbreaking and so revolutionary, it created an entire genre of movie. An entire genre was created just because it was so successful. The genre is called found footage. Has anyone ever heard of this before? Found footage, found footage films. Basically the whole idea, uh, and this is how the, the Blair Witch Project was shot, the whole movie is shot like it's first person perspective. It's almost like you're holding the video camera the whole time, right? Like it's found footage that these hikers went missing and all that was found was this footage and now we're gonna play it for you. Like That's the whole, the whole premise of the movie and it was so successful. Now there's an entire uh, just genre of found footage films now. Uh, and so basically ever since the Blair Witch Project came out, any horror movie you ever watch from that moment going forward, if there is a character holding a video camera in a horror movie, they're dead. <laughs> like, they're, they're gone. They're, they're not going to survive very long. They're, they're not going to make it. And it wins out almost every single time. As soon as someone walks into the camera and they've got this, you're going, well, all right, adios. It was nice getting to know you for the short while that you were on screen, but you're clearly not going to make it. Okay, so that's our cliche. We have our cliche, we have our sermon title, we have the text from Scripture that we're working with today. Um, I want us just one more time to think about the text that we read from Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus says, give us today, when? Today, give us, give us today the food that we need, right? Jesus continues later in, in verses 33 and 34 saying, don't worry about tomorrow, focus on seeking the kingdom of God, when? Today, Right now, focus on seeking the kingdom of God in this moment. And then Psalm 18, verse 24, King David says, this is the day the Lord has made. Not talking about tomorrow, not talking about the next day, not talking about next week. I'm talking about right here, this moment. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, the overarching theme that we're talking about today is presence, presence, being present in the moment right here and right now, this is a reminder that our culture needs badly, <laughs> badly. We are a distracted culture. We are a culture that is living in the future or a culture that is hung up in our past. We are constantly everywhere but here. And I cannot speak for you, but I can speak for myself whenever I say, I do not want that to be me. <laughs> I don't wanna be somebody who is so not present in the moment that I miss what is actually going on in the here and now. I, I experienced this this last Friday. I performed a wedding uh, ceremony on Friday for an incredible young couple in our church, Michael and Chloe Hines. Uh, they got married on Friday. Chloe actually is our Cornerstone Kids Director uh, in the back. And so you, chances are, if you've got a young one, you've seen Chloe. Michael, he's an incredible guy, works on our uh, tech and production uh, ministry partner team. Uh, awesome couple. They got married yesterday, beautiful location in North Lawrence, Ohio, called the Little Red Barn. Cute little place. Uh, there's a barn that's set up uh, real nice on the inside for the reception. Uh, and then outside is actually the wedding venue ceremony. It's outside. And then over here is like the parking lot when you come in. And so we're getting ready to start the ceremony. It's supposed to start at five. And you know, weddings, they're always supposed to start at five. It really starts at like 5.05, you know, 5.07, something like that. 
So I'm up there, I'm, I'm standing, and I'm waiting, and I'm looking out, and you know, again, here's where everyone's sitting, the parking lot's over here, the processional starts, people are coming down, uh, and we're a little ways into the wedding, like the processional at this point, when out of the corner of my eye, I, I see two people come walking, like, but like kind of speed walking, especially the woman. It's a couple, and it's so funny whenever you can see a couple, and you just know they were just fighting like two minutes ago, like you can just see it. The woman is like kind of hurriedly, like, doing one of these runs because she's got the heels and she's got a dress. She's like kind of sprinting across, whereas the guy is just like kind of lumbering behind her with his head down, just, you know, about 20 yards behind her. You can tell they haven't been talking because they've been fighting this whole time. They like went through the processional to sit down in seats real quick. Like they just kind of get down and sit in seats. And I'm, I'm up there trying not to laugh because it just looks funny, right? Like, oh, geez, okay. So the processional continues. We start the ceremony and as I'm delivering it, you know, Chloe's here, Michael's here, but I can see the couple in the back row between them. And so I'm, I'm doing the ceremony, but I'm kind of <laughs> looking back and you see this couple like talking to each other. All of a sudden they get up and sprint back to the parking lot. They're like, they had gone to the wrong wedding. They were at the wrong wedding ceremony. And so like while the wedding's going on here, car starts up and like pieces out. Uh, but, it, but they weren't the only ones. So then after that, like the wedding ceremony finishes and we're getting ready to go into the reception and everyone's waiting outside so they can kind of get everything finalized and set up and there's like a line. And so we're all just kind of waiting there. And in front of us, there's uh, two, if I remember, I think it was a couple, two people and there's a guy at the back of the line and we're just standing there. We've been standing there for about 10 minutes and you just notice this couple is going, just kind of looking at the line, like looking at the people and just kind of mumbling to each other. And eventually the, the guy's like, Excuse me, is this, is this Kelsey's wedding? Like, uh, no, the, uh, Chloe. This is Chloe, Chloe and Michael. And the guy's like, oh, thank you. And they leave. And then not only do they leave, as we say it's Chloe and Michael's wedding, the guy at the very back of the line goes, ah. Oh, and he leaves too. We're like, what is, what is going on? And so then we get into the reception. We're in the reception and it's, you know, it's about 30 minutes in. The couples have already come in. Everything's going on. It's like dances are starting at this moment. The door is open. Two people come walking in, obviously hurrying, and they sit down. They're like, sorry, we're late. We went to the wrong wedding. We're like, what is going on in Northeast Ohio today? Like, are we at the nexus of the universe and no one can find this place or <laughs> something like that? Um, but what I would wager, at least for some of the couples, I wouldn't say this for all of them, <laughs> but just seeing the look on people's faces, I think for a lot of people, probably the reason that they went to the wrong venue is because there was a little bit of tension, right? You, You've been there before, right? Whenever you're getting ready and one of you is late and the other one's frustrated that the other one is late. And so you get in the car and you're kind of arguing and it's tense and you're, and your GPS is telling you where to go, but you're kind of ignoring it because you're, you're focused on what's happened and you're not really living in the moment. And so you, you kind of pull up and that's where we were yesterday. That, that little red barn, there was another wedding venue not far away from it at all called like the little white barn. So you got these two little barns right there. And it left, unless you're really present in the moment, it's very easy to just be so caught up in the fight that just happened or what you were doing or the stress that you were under and miss it. You just miss it, right? You, you miss it because you're not present in the moment. Um, and while that's funny, like I'm sure even those people today are like laughing it off. It, it's funny to miss those kind of things let me tell you what's not so funny, though. Missing what God is up to because you're not present. That is not fun. That is a terrible feeling whenever God has done something, God's moved in your midst, and you missed it. 
I think one of the most heartbreaking lines in all of scripture is from Genesis chapter 26, whenever Jacob has awakened from this, this vision, this dream that God's given him, and he says this line, and it, it, it kills me every time I read it. He says, surely God was in this place and I was unaware of it. God help us not let that be our cry as a church. That God was moving in our midst, he was doing things, but we weren't present. Don't let that be us as families, that man, God was doing something amazing in, in our marriage and something amazing in our relationship. He's trying to do something, but we were so busy, we were so caught up with where we're going or where we've been that we missed what he was up to. That cannot be where we are as a church. Can we bow our heads and just pray real quick? Heavenly Father, uh, uh, again, as we continue into the sermon, I one more time just ask for uh, uh, your Holy Spirit to help us to be present to be present, not even just in this moment, uh, uh, but the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of our lives. God, we wanna be people who are present in the moment, making the most out of the day that you have made. Help us to do that because we know we can't do it on our own. God, we look to you for our help. Do that for us, Father. We pray all this in your name, amen. Amen, amen. We need to be present. Why don't you high five or fist bump somebody next to you and say, I'm glad you're present here today. I'm glad you're here today. Everybody online, there's your high five. I'm glad. I'm glad you're present too. Um, it, it's a good thing to be present, isn't it? It's a good thing to be present. It's a good thing to be here. And that's why it's so unfortunate that we are so often there <laughs> or there or there or there, right? Like it's a good thing to be here, but oftentimes we're hung up everywhere but here. Our mind is focused on where we've been, what we've got going on, where we need to go. Uh, it's very easy to get caught up everywhere but where we're supposed to be. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about like our building campaign here at Cornerstone. So we're in the middle of a building campaign. Uh, this current facility, we bought it under the uh, complete idea that this place is gonna get renovated and we're gonna add on to it because this is not big enough, right? So we're in the middle of this building campaign. Back whenever we started it, uh, we were working with church consultants and they were trying to tell us, they're like, you know, come up with a name for your campaign. You wanna make it short and memorable, catchy, all those kind of things, like a little tagline. So we're trying to think of different ones. The one that they told us, they're like, I would just avoid this one because like everybody does it, <laughs> is the whole, um, the whole idea, the best is yet to come, right? Like it's a very cliche phrase now in, in church world that the best is yet to come. Uh, and it's good, it's a good phrase, like that's true. You don't want the worst to be yet to come. Like the worst is yet to come. Like things are only gonna go downhill. Like you don't want that, <laughs> like that's not good. It is a good thing to think that the best is yet to come, but I gotta tell you, whenever they told us that, I was like, yeah, no, we, we, weren't, we wouldn't have settled on that anyways, just because I've always had a little issue with that phrase, and I'm sure I'm being too nitpicky, but I've always had a little bit of an issue with that phrase that the best is yet to come, because it's just so hyper-focused on the future, right? Like, it's just so hyper-focused on the future, and this, this is my worry, and this is kind of our, our, our main point for, the day, uh, for today, when you're too caught up in what you think God will do then and there, you miss what God wants to do here and now. Like when, when you are just so caught up about who one of these days, oh, one of these days, one of these days, look at what God's gonna do. And man, the best is yet to come and the best is out there. You miss what God is doing right here and right now and what he wants to do right here and right now in your life. I love, that's like, that's how Jesus was praying. Jesus is telling us, man, pray for today. Pray for the daily bread. Pray for what you need for right here and right now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Listen again to his words in verse 31 of Matthew 6. Don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So just seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, all present tense, right? Do this right now, right here and right now. Seek the kingdom of God, live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God is doing miracles here and now. The best isn't just yet to come. The best is here and now. God is doing miracles in this moment, in your life, in this present time, but are you present to see it? Are you actively present? Your mind, you are here in this moment. Are you so consumed with what's coming down the road or where you've been that you miss it? You miss it. I think about, I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan. I have been my whole life. I think about whenever LeBron was on the Cavs. He had two stints with the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? From his rookie year up through 2010. And then he had, again, from 2014 to 2018, 19, something like that. And I mean, they were two wildly different trips with the Cavs, like two wildly different. Because the first time that LeBron was here, we were terrible. Like, we were just a garbage team. Like, the whole reason we were able to draft him was because we were bad, right? Like, we got the number one pick because we were that bad. So we draft LeBron. He comes in, and we go from being a terrible team to, like, a good team. The next year, a really good team. And then a great team. But this is the thing. Even though the Cavs got really, really good with LeBron, they were never, ever, during his first stint, the favorite to win the NBA title. Even the one year that they were like, oh, this might be the year, 2009, the Los Angeles Lakers were the betting favorites to win the title that year. So the Cavs were never, like, they just weren't expected to do anything, right? Even in 2007, when we went to the finals, it was most, just getting to the finals was the trophy. Like, oh, look at us, like, participation trophy, we just got here, we're just happy to be here, right? Like, that was, that was our motto for 2007, uh, and that's, that's kind of how the expectations were. It's just like, hey, we're just, we're just enjoying it. We're enjoying the ride. The second time LeBron was here, for a lot of fans, I'm happy that this wasn't me, but for a lot of fans, there was no enjoying the ride. For a lot of fans, trust me, I listen to the sports talk all the time. And I, I listen to the fans. I listen to the people calling in. I heard this from my friends, from my buddies. There was no enjoyment for the Cavs' second run because LeBron was coming back with two rings from his time in Miami, he was more seasoned. He's, he's a better leader at this time. We had Kyrie Irving on our team, who's one of the best players in the NBA. We were adding Kevin Love, another one of the best players in the NBA. And so you're looking at this team, you're going, well, championship or bust. Like, I, I don't care what you do in the regular season. You either win the title or I don't care. And I would hear it. That, let me tell you, there were some incredible, incredible moments during that second run. And we ended up getting a title, right, 2016. But there were some moments during that run that were absolutely incredible during the regular season. There was the 2017 incredible Christmas Day game against Golden State that was just like nuts. There was, uh, there was a game where Kevin Love scored 34 points in the first quarter. Just one quarter, one quarter, 34 points. I had to check my phone a couple times because I thought it was like an error. I'm like, that can't be right. Like, it's crazy. Uh, Kyrie, he had multiple game winners against different teams, really good teams at away games on the road. Like all these incredible moments. But you know what you would hear on Sports Talk the next day? So what? Can you do it when it matters? I don't care what you do in the regular season. This is the regular season. Anybody can do this in the regular season. You show up in the postseason or else it doesn't matter. I don't care. And I'm, I'm hearing this, and I'm hearing some of my friends say the same kind of stuff, like, yeah, good win, but I'm sure they'll blow it when it counts. I'm going, like, 
how, how, do you, how do you live? Like how, how is that an enjoyable way to live? You are so hyper-focused on the future, you can't even enjoy the ride. Like you're so hyper-focused on what's to come and what you hope is waiting for you to end, you can't even enjoy what's going on right here and right now. And as I think about this, it makes me think about us. Not even just us individually, but us collectively as a church. Because we are in this building campaign, we are in this moment when we're trying to, to build and build for the future and get this new facility and renovate this one. And this is my worry, okay? Can I share my worry with you? My worry is that we can have a mindset that thinks uh, uh, unless we have a building, unless we get a new building, that God's not actually building here. That's what I worry about. I worry that we can get in this mindset that unless, you know what, unless we get this brand new building, unless, unless uh, we're, we're just waiting for that building and that, that'll show that God is actually building his church here, that God's actually doing things. Let that not be us. Because if that is us, I will tell you this much, we are blind to what God is doing in our present. The best is not yet to come, the best is here and now. Can I tell you just, just a few things off the top of my head that are happening in our church family right now? There are marriages and relationships that just a few months ago were left for dead. Left for dead because of harsh actions, harsh words, just harshness all around. And now, today, they are on the road to restoration, to total restoration. That's happening right here, not, absolutely. That's, that's not happening down the road in some future reality. That's happening in our midst right now. You wanna know something cool? This is another thing that's happening. Think about this. We got high school students and college students who as they are signing up their work schedule at Starbucks and as they're signing up for their college schedules, they are making sure that come hell or high water, they don't have anything on Saturdays or Sundays because they wanna serve at Cornerstone. That's incredible. That, that's not happening down the road. That, that's happening right now. We are experiencing this right now. We have parents in our church we just have a young father in our church who his oldest son, uh, his first son, he had him whenever he was young and his oldest son was talking to him the other day and he's like, I don't know who you are anymore. Like what happened to the harsh, angry dad? Like what, what happened to you? You, you? you were so different. And he told him it's because I found Jesus at Cornerstone. Like I, I've experienced new life and I'm, I'm just different. The anger's gone. The, like the, the, the harshness is gone. It's just, I don't have anymore. Those things are happening right now in our midst. Like those are happening in our church. And so dear God, help us not be people who only see success if we see the brand new building, who only feel like, well, God must not be blessing us. There must not be favor here from the Lord if the building isn't brand new and looks fantastic. No, God's moving right here and right now. We don't have to wait for blessing. We don't have to wait for miracles. They're occurring right now in our very midst. And if we are so hopped up on the future, we will miss the ride. We'll miss what God is doing right here and right now. And I don't want that for your personal life either. I don't want, just want that for our church. I don't want you, if, if you're single and you are so looking forward to marriage one day, like I, I get it. And that's a great vision. That's a great hope and dream to have. But if you are so hopped up on that future that you are not even living in the moment and allowing God to bring out of you the things he wants to bring out of you right here and right now, you're missing the miracle, <laughs> You're missing what he wants to do in your life because you're so focused on the future. If you're someone who's like, man, empty nest, get those kids out of my house. <laughs> like, if, that, if that's you, I commiserate with you. I get it. Like, I get where you're coming from. But man, if you're so just holding on to that future of, man, having time back to ourselves and having the house for ourselves, I get it. 
But if you're focused on that, you're gonna miss what God wants to do in these formative, amazing years while your children live at home. You cannot be so hyper-focused on the future that you miss what God is wanting to do in the here and now. You see, that's why cameramen and all these horror movies die. <laughs> they are so focused on this, on what's ahead of them, that little tiny viewfinder. They're so focused on that, they're missing all of the context of what's happening around them, right? Like whenever you watch those movies, you'll see just off lens to the left or just off to the right, you'll see like a shadow move, but they didn't see it because it's so, nope, this is it. This is all, this is all I can see. I'm recording, I'm saving this for the future. Like I'm, I, I, this is it, this is where I'm at. And because they're so focused on that one thing, they miss what's happening in the present. They miss the dangers that are lurking around the corner because they're too hopped up on what's coming down the road. And here's the truth for, for us in our life, what this looks like and why it's so important that we be in the moment, why we be in the present here and now is because when God works miracles, did you know that most miracles manifest in a moment? Like, the, like they are here and then they're gone. So we need to live accordingly because God will bring up a miracle. He will do something in a moment. There will be a move of God. And if you've missed it, you've missed it. <laughs> like you either seize it or you don't see it happen. Uh, I think about the, uh, the Red Sea crossing. It's what we were singing about earlier during our worship set, uh, God splitting the sea. You were either there to see it and to witness it, or you didn't. <laughs> like, there's no Israelite who's like, you guys go ahead, I'm gonna go finish and packing up. I'll meet you at Sinai. Like that, that, that didn't happen. You were either present, you were either there, or you missed it. Because that miracle manifested in a moment and then it was gone and so you have to live accordingly. Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. That's a moment. That happens in a moment, in an instant. In fact, get this, that one, that miracle was so momentary, the only people at that wedding who knew a miracle occurred were the people who were serving. Scripture tells us that the servants were the only one who noticed, that they brought the wine out and everybody else just thought, hey, the master of the, uh, the feast has saved the best wine for last. They didn't even know a miracle had happened in their midst. It was that momentary. Isn't that a lesson for how it's important to serve, right? When you serve, you see miracles. When you partner with God, you, you see miracles happen, but they're gone quickly. Like they, they manifest and then they're gone. We need to live Accordingly, and probably the most perfect example of this is, is manna. Uh, manna, whenever uh, the, the people cross the Red Sea, the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, and God's taking them into the, the wilderness, they're hungry, and He provides food for them. He provides this, this wafer like bread kind of substance for them to eat. But guess how much He sends out? Enough for the day. That's it. Just enough for the day. He instructs them, hey, I'm gonna be sending it at this specific time. It will be there. You only pick up what you need for today and then it's gone. It's a miracle. This is a miraculous thing and it's here in a moment. And if you miss it, you miss it. I actually think that's what Jesus is calling back to here in Matthew chapter six, whenever he's talking about give us today our daily bread, give us today our manna, give us today just what we need for this exact moment. Help us to be present, Father, in this moment because that's how miracles are. We need to be present in the moment to actually see the miracle happen. Uh, there was a health scare in my brother's uh, extended family th this last week, exactly a week ago today. My uh, brother, Zach, his father-in-law, Brian White, had a, a really bad health scare. I think it was a heart attack. It was something heart-related. Um, but we're at my nephew Maverick's game. So my brother, Zach, it's his son. We're at his uh, playoff uh, football game at Logan Field. 
And Brian, uh, the, the, his father-in-law, he's there. He comes walking by. He came walking right by us, came and talked to our kids for a second and kind of patted him on the head. 20 seconds later, you hear someone yell out, oh my God, that guy just fell. He fell down. And so we look over and Brian's on the ground. Like he's on the ground and people are rushing over to him. We're standing up. Uh, and if you know Brian at all, people are trying to help him up. And he's like, get your hands off me. I'm fine. Like I'm fine. I can get up myself. <laughs> like he's thinking he can do it himself. So they bring over a chair for him to get into. And he kind of gets into the chair. And the second he sits in it, he just slumps back and his eyes go back. His, all of his color is drained and he, he's not breathing. And so everyone's screaming out like, paramedics, is anyone an EMT or a nurse? Anybody here, anybody? Um, luckily, there, there were one of our own, uh, Deanna Morgan, uh, a Cornerstone member was there and she helped. She worked on uh, Brian and uh, John Wurstler, a guy uh, in the uh, Coventry community, he was a paramedic. He ran over and started helping and, and working on uh, Brian. And Brian's own son, um, while the, the people who were the EMTs there who were doing chest compressions on Brian. Brian's son was uh, doing mouth-to-mouth as they were doing the chest compressions. And they did it for probably 10, 12 minutes waiting for the paramedics to get there. Um, and it, it, was, it was crazy. Like whenever I tell you it was a scene, it was a scene. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. I, I've been at games and like events or in amusement parks where someone has passed out from like heat exhaustion or dehydration. And it's, it's like disconcerting, but you know everything's gonna be okay, right? You're like, oh, this was not that. Everyone at Logan Field that day knew this was life or death and that it looked like it was leaning towards death because it was that bad. I mean, chest compressions with no sign of life. Um, whenever the paramedics got there and they put the sheet under Brian and moved him onto the stretcher, I mean, you could just see lifeless, just his arms and his head. I mean, there was no, no, there was no I'm kind of here. He was gone, just gone. Um, and as soon as he left, uh, they, they called the game. You could have heard, there were hundreds of people at the, the field for this game. You could have heard a pin drop. Like as people are leaving, no one's talking, everyone's just, because as far as everyone knew, we just witnessed somebody die, like right there. It was that intense. Um, so after that happens, Amanda, my, my brother, his wife, uh, her and other members of the family go to the hospital to be with Brian. Zach, my brother and his family, uh, some of the rest of his kids, they come over to our house and some other family come over to our house. And we're basically just trying to keep the kids' minds off of it, you know, just trying to keep them entertained and amused uh, and thinking about other things, just expecting to hear the phone call that Brian's passed. Uh, and so at one point, Zach gets his phone, he goes outside, he comes back in, and he's like, uh, Brian's alive. He, like, he's, he's still critical, but he's stable now. Like, they saved him. And we're all sitting there, we're like, could you say it one more time into our good ear? Because it sounded like he just said Brian's alive and that, that can't be. Like we, we, we saw him, we saw him and Zach starts giving more details and he's saying, man, the doctor, like the doctor has said he has not seen anything like this where someone has by all intents and purposes been legally and like clinically dead for about 10 to 12 minutes, like that long, just no heart activity at all. Um, but, and he said he hasn't seen somebody do chest compressions and air for that extended amount of time and have it make a difference for somebody like this. Like Brian has no brain damage. He's home. Like that happened a week ago and he's already back home today. The people at that field that day saw an honest to God miracle in their, with their very own eyes. Like they, they witnessed it. They saw it. Yeah, yes. And Here's the thing, even as I'm telling the story, if you weren't there or this is the first time you're hearing it, you're probably like, wow, that's amazing. Wow, that's amazing. This doesn't do it justice. 
Like we witnessed a miracle happen. This, if you would have seen him, if you would have seen Brian, if you would have seen, just, just experienced the whole thing, you were like, we, we witnessed an honest to God miracle right in front of our eyes. Like this was, this was an only God kind of moment. And that's how miracles are. <laughs> Like whenever you experience a miracle, whenever you see a marriage get restored, whenever you see someone come to Christ, whenever you see an addiction get broken, those are miracles. And those miracles, they, they manifest a lot of times in moments. And if you're so busy, if you're so cluttered, if you're so living here or you're so living there that you miss it, I mean, it stinks, but you miss it a lot of times. You miss the power of the moment. You miss what God is up to in that moment, in that present situation. You see, that's why one of my favorite stories in all of scripture is how King David uh, uh, maintained where he needed to be to take the throne. You see, King David, he, he was the second king of Israel. The first king was King Saul. King Saul fell out of favor with God. And so God had Samuel, his prophet, anoint David to be the next king of Israel. You know when that happened? Probably around age 15 to 17 for King David. That's what we think, about 15 to 17. But do you know when he actually took the throne? Age 30. It's a long gap, right? It's like getting, hey, next time a promotion comes up, you're in line. <laughs> and then 13 years later, like, oh, congratulations, right? Like that's, that is a long wait. That is a long time. But what I love about King David is it's like he knew the truth of what we're talking about today. That this miracle that like, wow, I was a nobody. I'm just like a shepherd boy and I'm the youngest in my family and I'm gonna be the next king of Israel. It's like he knew that the miracle of that happening would happen in a moment and that he needed to be ready because he had no idea when he would take the throne. But he needed to make sure that he was still the kind of man, still a man after God's own heart, like he was when he was anointed. He needed to make sure that's who he was going forward because at any moment, a miracle could happen. At any moment, he could be called on to step into this leadership role and he needed to be ready to seize that moment and to seize that miracle. And that's exactly what he did. He kept following God. He was faithful. He, of course, he wasn't perfect, but man, he tried, he tried, he tried. And he was walking along the path that whenever a miracle would pop up, he would be able and he would be most importantly present to seize it. This goes back to what we talked about last week. What, what ways are we walking in, right? Like what paths are we walking down? Are we walking down a path that is present, that is saying, hey, yeah, I am, I am aware and available to what God is doing right here and right now. I'm, I'm sensitive whenever he gives me a nudge to go talk to that person right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to him telling me to give and to serve in these exact moments because I'm not so uh, focused in living up here or back there. I am present in the here and now. There is power in the present. Of course, please hear me. Of course, our past is important. Of course. <laughs> of course, our future is important. Primarily our future. Like, I get it. Like, even more so in our past, our future, where we're going, what we want in life. Of course, that's important. But I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you, the present has to be our priority. It has to be. We have got to prioritize the present. And we oftentimes don't. <laughs> And this is me too. I, I'll throw myself in on this. Can, can I tell you what we normally do? What we normally do, our tendency is to maximize the potential of the future and minimize the power of the present, right? Like you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because chances are you've said something like this, like, okay, you know what? Come January 1st, I go beast mode. Like I'm a brand new man. Come January 1st, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a new routine. I'm gonna get up at 5 a.m. every morning get in a cool two miles running in the morning. 
Um, and then for lunch, you know, I probably just skip lunch. I'll just have like a protein shake or something like that and hit some weights over lunch. And then later that night, whenever I get home after I put the kids in bed and I, after I have a, a dry uh, grilled chicken breast with uh, steamed vegetables and white rice, after I have that, I'll hit another two miles running. That's what I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. Come January 1st, man, it's gonna be so good. I'm gonna look so good. I'm gonna feel so good. That's, that's what I'm gonna do, right? We maximize the potential of the future. Our future selves are the most incredible people you'll ever meet, aren't they? Like, oh my gosh, so in shape, so caring, so generous, so financially responsible. Like, our future selves are amazing. Uh, but how often does it actually materialize, right? That's what it looks like when we maximize the potential of the future. But whenever we maximize the, the power of the present, it looks a little bit more like this. Yeah, that would be great. I, I would love to be able to have a routine like that in my life. But man, I know with my schedule, I know with my life, I'm never gonna be able to make that happen. So rather than just making lists and just living in this future reality that actually is fake, like the future is fake, it is not real yet. I'm, I'm living in this fake reality. What I'm gonna do is maximize the power of the present. And what I can do, what I can commit to is I'm gonna take a brisk 30 minute walk every day and I'm gonna make sure at least one of my meals every day is healthy. That's what I am going to do. Now let me ask you, out of those two things, which one is actually gonna change your life? <laughs> The, the one in the present. The one where you say, yeah, it may not be as glamorous, it may not sound as good, but I'm going to maximize the power of the present because there is power in the present. There is power in this moment. I'm gonna maximize it. I'm going to seize this moment like it says in Psalm 118 that we've been reading today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it and I will be glad in it and I will get to work in it and I will seize it. Because this is the day that God has given me. This is the day that I can act upon. There is power in the present. There's power in the present. See, in, in all these movies, when these horror, uh, these horror movies, whenever these characters die who've been carrying the camera around, it always makes me laugh because you're like an hour into this movie and the person's still carrying the camera. You're like, put the camera down. <laughs> just, just put the camera down. You have a killer after you. Why are you still videotaping this thing? Like, oh, I have to save this. I've got to live stream it. Like, you don't though. <laughs> like, just, just put the camera down. What are, you, what are you trying to do? And in some horror movies, they try to like work around that and they'll say like, oh, it's important that we preserve this. Like, preserve your life, bro. Like, someone's trying to kill you. Put the camera down. Like, stop, stop living here and just focus on the present. And that is exactly where we get caught up. We are so focused, especially on the, on the future, that we miss what's happening in the present. And it's no wonder things don't work out the way that we hope that they would. There is power in the present. And here's why there's so much power in the present. We just got a few minutes left. There's, this is why there's power in the present. The past and the future, whenever you find yourself living hung up in the past or hyped up about the future, all you are doing is chasing shadows. It ain't real. It's not. The past is over. The future isn't even real yet. Like, you can't be there. All you're doing, all you're doing is chasing shadows at that point. You see, the present, the present is our assignment. The present is our assignment. Have you ever noticed how all of God's commands to us are current? Like, they're, they're now, not like one day do this, down the road do that. God's like, no, today. Today, love people like I loved you. Today, sacrifice. Today, give. All of God's commands are current because the present is our assignment. God says to us, look, I, I know your past. I know you can get hung up on it. I know your past. 
Trust me with it. I know your future. You can get hyped up about what's coming. I hold the future. Trust me with it. Did you know that the present is the only thing that God says? No, no, no. Your past, I know it. Your future, I hold it. But your present, I want to partner with you. I, I, wanna, I wanna work with you. This is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to this moment right here and right now. I want to partner with you in the present. It's why Jesus is telling us, man, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow's troubles. Don't worry about the struggles that are coming down the road. Focus on today. Seek God's kingdom today. Live righteously today. Focus on today because there is power in the present this power in the present, and for us as a church, this can be uh, something that we can be susceptible to, to feeling like, well, let's try to recapture like glory days. Like, let's, let's go back and try to, try to bring back the good days. That's what all churches are struggling with right now. The, the pre-pandemic days, right? Everyone's trying to go back to that, and man, crowds are smaller than before the pandemic, and there's some people who were here before the pandemic, and they're not back yet. Will they ever come back? And we try to go back and touch the glory days, and we're stuck in the past. And then there's the opposite, so hyped up and so focused on the future that that's all you're talking about. Man, one of these days, one of these days, I'm actually, we, we won't do this series until we have the new building because that's when it will be really cool. And I'm not gonna invite people until we have that new building because that'll be really cool. And I'm not gonna come to stuff until we have that new building because that's when it will be really cool. We can have this tendency to get focused on either of these places, but man, the present is our assignment. The present is where God wants to partner with us. He wants us to do amazing things. So church, that's where we need to be. We need to stop the recording, put the camera down, stop focusing here or here and focus here. Be faithful here. Be present here. Be confident in God here. Focus here. Because guess who we follow? Guess who we follow? The God that we follow is not the God of I did, right? <laughs> I am the great I did, right? Is that what God said? I am the great I will. <laughs> like one of these days is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm the great I will. No, I am the great I am. That's what God says about himself. I am. I'm active. I'm in every moment. I am present. I am moving. That's the kind of God we follow. And as followers of him, what does that mean about us? We need to be present. We need to be active. We need to be moving in the here and now, and when we do that, when we are active in the here and now, not caught up, focused on the future or on our past, when we're present in the here and now, we won't just see miracles happen. We will partner with God to make miracles happen. I wanna pray with you real quick. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Uh, thank you for the fact that we get to partner with you, the creator God of the universe, the redeemer, the restorer. We get to partner with you to make miracles happen. How incredible that is, God. Help us to never take that for granted, uh, not even one moment. Um, it's such a, just such an amazing thing, God. And I, I think about the fact that we're supposed to partner with you, but how in the world can we even do that unless we know what you're up to in this present moment? How can we partner with you if we're living in the future, we're living in the past? God, to partner with you effectively, we have to be present. We have to be here and now, focusing on what you're doing in this moment. Of course, that doesn't mean that our past doesn't matter. Of course, it doesn't mean that our future isn't something we should shoot for. But God, we need to make sure that we are not so hyped up one way or the other that we are missing what you are currently doing right now not so distracted that we're missing the little nudges and the people that you're pointing us to and the things that you're calling us to do and the sacrifices you're asking us to make here and now. 
We know there is power in the present, God, so help us to be present and to work with you to see miracles happen in our lives. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.